Hey everybody, Diana here on the Sales and Marketing for Massage Therapist podcast. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about experiencing our emotions, and that that is not a luxury. And I'll explain what that means. I'll also take as a part of this discussion take a, a dive into boredom. Um, I was just coached on boredom and transformation and um, resisting my own emotion when it came to boredom. So. I look at, and you've probably heard either a parent or a grandparent, uh, someone older saying, well, we didn't have the luxury to feel our feelings because we had to get crap done. And, you know, and I sympathize to that. I understand that mentality. Um, you want to make things happen. You have to feed your family. Uh, you might have had to work two or three jobs in order to get, you know, in order to get paid, in order to support your family. So I know that's the type of mentality um, that a lot of people embrace and they think, oh yeah, working hard is this uh, ideal. Working hard, physically hard or mentally hard. I got to feel tired, physically and emotionally tired at the end of the day in order for me to check the box of working hard. And I'm not disparaging working hard at all. There are people out there who love working hard, but I think working hard also has a lot of emotional weight on it, put on it by us. You know, if you work hard, then you're not a slacker. You're not irresponsible. You're not lazy or selfish. Um, and so working hard from this very clean place is something we can all own. Um, I always like the phrase work smarter, not harder, because I think my, our brains are capable of, uh, making things a lot easier for us in order to get the results that we want. I'm digressing here. I get that. So, but hear me out. And so there are feelings, um, of, you know, why if I make it easier for myself, then, um, I'm sort of cheating at being successful. And that was a conversation I had recently with a friend of mine. And I, I found this fascinating, like, okay, so you're cheating in, in, in terms of working hard to get to feeling success. You can't allow yourself success unless you work hard. And how are you defining working hard? It was very fascinating conversation. So going back to having those emotions, you know, that there's all this do, do, do rather than be, be, be. And I've been one of those people. I don't, you know, I much preferred intellectualizing my own, um, my own emotions because they seemed easier to deal with easier from a distance, uh, a more cerebral distance than the actual sensation of these emotions. Um, until I found coaching and I even fought that during coaching, you know, the, the idea that our feelings fuel our actions, our thoughts create our feelings that fuel those actions that give us our results. And this is the coaching model that I was taught that I use and I use with my clients. I teach my clients this model because I, it is uppermost an awareness tool of what our brain is thinking what we're be, how we're behaving, how we're feeling, what, what actually are we creating in the world from all these often unconscious thoughts? So when people say to me, it's like, you know, and I say, well, I, you know, I talk to people as a coach about their feelings and 
I ask specific questions about, you know, what is that sensation in your body? How are you, how are you interpreting that sensation in your body? Because bodies don't lie. Um, I think for a lot of people, they, there's a massive disconnect between, uh, their brain and their body. They view their bodies as a, as a vehicle to cart around this, this brain. So there's, for a lot of people, and you know, if you're a massage therapist, you understand explaining to one of your clients that, you know, how, how's that feel? You know, if you're working on some specific area with a certain amount of pressure and they're like, well, I don't know, <laughs> you know, they don't have that bodily awareness. And so it becomes, um, we have to learn different languages of around explaining to different people about their own emotional experience in their own bodies that it's just, it always kind of, I have good friends who want nothing to do with emotions. They don't know if they're feeling any at all. If you ask how they're feeling or what emotion they're feeling, well, I, I don't feel anything. And it's always a, a, a great conversation to have with them, not to annoy or to press or intrude, but just kind of offer them the idea that, yeah, we have emotions all the time. Just because you don't feel them doesn't mean that they're not there. We deny, we buffer, we avoid, we do all kinds of things with our emotions in order not to feel them. And it just catches up with us, not only in our emotional lives or our relationships, but in our physical bodies, all that repressed, stifled emotion can become illness. And this is just my opinion. Um, there's, I love Louise Hay so much. There's a book that I, I have on my desk right now, Heal Your Body. And she talks about the different uh, situations with different parts of the bodies or different manifestations of disorder, like uh, bone problems, bowels, brain, breast problems, breath, breathing problems, Bright's disease, bronchitis, I mean, the list goes on and on. And it, she, in it, she gives her interpretation and then the affirmations associated with it, which to me, when I read this book, it was just really enabled me to connect to my body in that way, sort of indirectly to my own emotions, because I knew my emotions were being stored in my body in a very uncomfortable way, a very tense feeling way. So when people say that, you know, emotions are luxury, you know, I, I just, it kind of blows my mind still that we can dismiss, you know, thousands and thousands of years of emotional experiences and actually see the results of that in our lives, not only from a uh, personal standpoint, from, from a generational standpoint. Um, I know in my family, um, cause I'm the youngest of five. Um, there are, is 13 and a half years between me and the eldest. And there is a definite difference in how my older sibling looks at the world. Um, she was with my parents much longer than, you know, I was, both of my parents are deceased. Um, I, you know, being the younger, more rebellious, uh, you know, going about my business in my own individual way, it's, you know, there's a big difference in how we view emotions. And she's one of those people who doesn't want to recognize them. She doesn't want to, um, 
really have anything to do with them. They're dismissed. And, you know, my, my own brother says that he's like, I just, you know, I, I want to follow what you're doing, Diana, in your coaching. I've re I read some of your posts. I've listened to your podcast before. I still don't know what you're talking about. Bless him for trying and supporting me in his own way. But it was just, it just struck me the difference. There's a generational as well as, um, uh, you know, we're just, we're three different people experiencing life in our own ways, but it's, there's a definite difference in how, um, my sibling closest to me in age and I deal with things compared to the first three of my siblings. So it, it is generational. My parents, you know, were, you know, raised in a certain way. They raised us in a certain way. And my brother has raised his kids in a certain way. And so it just, you know, how much of that, um, emotional constipation, uh, that I like to call it, uh, is, is just being handed down all the trauma, all the, um, uh, unre you know, unresolved pain that we all carry is being translated or transferred down through our DNA to the next generations. So, I like to think of it that way. You know, I, you know, the gifts that keep giving, I know I inherited certain things from my parents, certain beliefs that I no longer want to believe. Um, and, and not to dismiss that the upbringing that they gave me, but just to, you know, say I, I'm making decisions. I don't need to believe that anymore about my own emotions. My emotions are important. I'm choosing to believe that they're important. And so the coaching model that I use, emotions are the fuel, like I said, to everything. Emotions are information. I've said that before. And having those, you know, two sentences, emotions are fuel, emotions are information, really helped my relationship with my own emotions. And I learned, um, I was just coached on this, and I, I don't get bored often. And what I'm discovering is a pattern for me that if I feel bored, so instead of anxiety or, um, say avoidance or some other behavior, if I'm feeling boredom in my body, it's, it's sort of a numbness. I'm associating, uh, boredom with sort of, uh, inertia inactivity. And my brain is not being inspired. My, you know, I'm just blah. I mean, just everything is boring to me. I don't like feeling that way. I start feeling restless because I don't, you know, I want to move on to another better feeling emotion. I want to feel better in my body. And so I was resisting this, this boredom in my own body. And so I was also viewing boredom as a problem that I had, had to fix when in reality I can just feel it. I can acknowledge it. Yeah, I'm bored. I don't have to do this. I can really look at my boredom as an opportunity to kind of pick my brain. But in this particular case, I couldn't work my way out of my own boredom. I was resisting feeling it. I had a lot of judgment about being bored. Um, I've done in the past some destructive self-sabotaging to myself when I've been bored. And so it's, it's sort of like I want to get out of this feeling as quick as possible. And so really, I think what happened through the coaching that I received was that I've had a lot of big transform, transformative thoughts and belief shifts 
in the last few weeks. I mean, I've had them off and on for, you know, almost two years since I've been a coach that just these different realizations, I mean, I've been letting lots of my old stories go about money, about myself, about how to do my business, about how to schedule things. I've let a lot of things go and it feels great. So there's been transformation. And then if you get coached often enough, what you'll notice sometimes is that you get really attached to the transformation sometimes. And so you're constantly looking for, well, what, where can I transform? I need to really work on this hard. I need to um, do things in order to get that transformation because that transformation is the vehicle. That transformation is responsible for me getting my results when that's just not true. We are responsible for getting our results, but we're giving transformation all this responsibility when it's just, it's ours responsibility to bear. So underneath boredom, I realized as I was talking to the person who was coaching me was all of a sudden, all this emotion came up and I voiced a couple of things that, you know, didn't shock me to hear myself say, but it was just a sense of deep frustration, deep frustration that I couldn't or didn't want to acknowledge. And that's what my boredom was covering. And so once I, I realized like, oh, I'm, I'm so frustrated because of you know, all the pressure I'm putting on myself and I'm not getting some of the results that I want, you know, I'm wondering, when is it my turn? This isn't working. I need to do this. When is, when is this going to happen? Why should I bother, you know, at the, you know, on the extreme part of that? So, you know, the idea in that sense is to neutralize boredom for myself. I don't have to view boredom as a problem, but it's also to recognize that boredom is part of my process. Maybe at this point, um, I should, you know, Boredom also represents a sense of numbness because I don't want to feel that deep frustration, that deep, you know, upsetting frustration that I was like, I was crying in that angry way that we all can do sometimes. Cause it's like, I'd have nothing else. You know, that's, that's the only reaction I can have is just cry this big, ugly, snotty cry. And, um, and so that all that numbness and all that boredom is covering a lot of emotions, which I just have to sit with and process recognizes there and let it be there. And so I look at, you know, those emotions, not as luxuries, but as necessities. If I want to learn more about myself, I want to learn more about my emotional landscape and feeling on purpose, then I, you know, having a better relationship with my emotions is key. And I think that was, you know, the joy of intellectualizing all of my emotions was that it was just a neat, very clean, uh, unemotional way to look at my emotions. And so there's a sense of detachment there that was welcome and maybe necessary um, at the time of, you know, experiencing great emotional uh, upheaval that intellectualizing your emotions is probably the, maybe a safe thing to do. But now that I'm past a lot of those 
trauma responses, I want to have a better relationship with my emotions. And I don't consider that a luxury. I do consider that a necessity. If I want to move further, farther, faster, uh, bigger than I've ever gone before, then I'm going to have um, a, a much more comprehensive relationship with those emotions that will fuel my actions to get to the results that I want. And so, you know, often we feel impatient with our own emotions as well as others' emotions. And I've been, for some reason, there's a, somebody I'm following on Instagram who is a, uh, I think she's a child psychologist and she talks about parenting a lot. I don't have kids, but I think it's really useful information to have when I'm around kids or around people I don't know. It's, it's more about accepting that this is that child's response or that person's response and being really open minded and curious about, um, and, and being the calming influence in those interactions with children. You know, the first thing that this parenting, um, psychologist talks about is, you know, really just accepting that that person is feeling what they're feeling. We don't have to change it. Emotions are transient in most cases. Uh, they're not going to stick around forever. We're, you know, th whatever sense of control that we think we want to have may not be necessary because they're not around long enough for us to control. We just automatically go into thinking it, that we have to. Well, we really don't. They have, uh, for lack of a better term, a shelf life. They'll, they will be in our bodies, say, um, the longest I've had a, a specific sensation in my body was pretty much, um, it was an unpleasant feeling. It was in the beginning, I think it was right after or during certification, just this dread. I felt dread every, every day for probably a couple of weeks. And then it dissipated. I got enough coaching on it. I got to where I had understanding of why I was feeling that very pervasive dread. And then it, you know, gradually dissipated on its own. And as I've been doing more work on myself, more purposeful thought work using the model, my emotions don't stick around for very long at all, especially the ones I don't want to feel I'm like, Oh, boredom. Yeah. So I was bored last week. So I felt bored while I was at home. And then I took some time off. I went to visit some people over the holiday and I came back and I'm like sitting at my desk, I feel bored again. And so I got coached on it. And so I, the duration of that boredom and that deep frustration and that numbness, you know, lasted a couple of days, but with coaching, we can be much more proactive about that sensation that we're having in our body, that emotional response that we're having. So I look at, I think for some reason we believe there's like this misconception or this myth that feeling our emotions takes a lot of time and energy. And it really doesn't. I mentioned this in a post I did recently. We don't have to sit there and emote and talk it out or we, you know, cry or yell. We can just sit very quietly for maybe three minutes feel that emotion, recognize what it is. It's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. I feel tight in my chest. Hmm. This could be nervousness or fear. I wonder what that's about. We can walk ourselves through it in say less than three minutes. Does that, is that the case with everybody and every time? No, but this is the relationship you, 
want to start with yourself in order to not have so much reactivity to them when you feel them. I think it's, we think our emotions stand in the way of doing something, which I find (laughs) ironic. Our emotions are the fuel to those actions that get us to where we want to go. They are not an obstacle, although we've probably been conditioned to believe that. God, if I give in to my emotion, it's just going to take longer. I'll be exhausted. And that may be some of the time, but not all of the time. And so really my purpose in talking about emotions is to normalize the conversation. One, to normalize talking about our emotions and our emotional experiences, allowing space for those emotions, whatever they are and what kind of reaction your body's having around them, like through tears or yelling or wanting to hide, wanting to deny that, you know, we're just making room. We're creating space for those emotions to do what they need to do. We are not our emotions. We are not our thoughts. We are at heart, this, you know, flawed human being, just like everybody else who it's possible that we can feel anything we want, everything we want that is available to us. But what happens if we have a less than friendly relationship with those negative feeling emotions, we are also shutting down access to the positive feeling ones. And I know for me, uh, during coach training, we were talking about unconditional love. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. I don't have any relationship with that kind of thing. I don't know what that means not computing. And I was kind of angry about it and very resistant because in my mind, you know, that kind of love, um, does become very conditional. It's not something I can rely upon. It's not something I've seen very often. Um, it's just, I had a, I didn't have a relationship with unconditional love. I could imagine the closest I've ever felt to feeling unconditional love was for my, my dogs or other people's dogs, any dogs, to be honest, is that instantaneous love, no conditions, no, you know, it's just, I just love you, period. And I didn't have that with humans. So, you know, that to me struck a chord because I was like, I am so busy managing my own anxiety, my own fear, my own inadequacies. I can't even feel pleasure. I can't feel excitement. I can't feel love or anticipation without some other negative emotion quickly following behind. If I feel love, uh, it's not going to last dismissed. Um, I can't feel excitement because, uh, it's probably not going to be as good as you want, want it to be. I can't feel, um, uh, joy. Well, that's not going to last long either. You know, cause you see, I had, I was trying to manage my own expectations around my own emotional experiences by just going straight to the negative, which it took me a while to realize what I was doing. So I was cutting out whole swaths of good feeling emotions from my life because of that. And so whether or not you believe me that our 
emotions are pivotal. I invite you to talk. Let's set up a conversation to talk about where you are from an emotional standpoint. And I'm not here to convince you that the emotions, your emotions fuel your actions and your results. I'm inviting you to look at that possibility with a coach, with somebody who can say, you know, has a, uh, probably a clearer picture of what's going on in your mind at this point than you do. I have worked on my brain and I've, because of this tool, this coaching model tool, I'm able to see people's brains much more clearly than they do most of the time. I'm not, not to say I could predict your behavior, but I could probably explain some things about what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you're creating more than you can at this point. This is a tool available to anyone to learn. And it's, if it's, if you take nothing away from this conversation is that there are tools out there and maybe this coaching model is not your, your jam, but there are tools out there that will help you manage those emotional experiences and your emotions in such a way where you can feel better, less anxious. Most of the time you can enjoy your life more. You have a better sense of who you are and what your emotions are rather than really feeding off of somebody else's or having sharing their emotions with them. You become much more clear about what your own emotional experiences are, not somebody else's, not borrowing from somebody else, not wishing somebody for somebody else's what you're experiencing and what you can create. So I invite you, hopefully this episode made sense. It made sense in my brain and I wanted to share it with you because I think that, um, our emotions get a lot of sort of negative publicity. You know, it's like these things that we can't control. Um, it may not be worth our time to control them or learn more about them or understand what they're trying to tell us about us. It's more like these are, we have emotions. I think we are emotional people, creatures. We are energetic beings and emotions create those energies. They create our energetic experiences, what people are repulsed by and attracted to. A lot of that has to do with what we're feeling. So I invite you if you're curious about this tool, let's talk. Let's talk about how it could apply to your life, what kind of awareness you can get about specific situations. And this is a free one-hour call, no obligation to buy. It's just a conversation that will leave you with a lot more awareness and a lot more possibility and a lot more clarity. So let's talk. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next time.